Hi, I'm Walter Harvey, the senior pastor at Parklawn Assembly of God. Parklawn is a church that both regular attenders and even unchurched people love to attend. Why? Perhaps it's because we seek real and authentic relationships. We're a multicultural church that's engaged in volunteerism and outreach in our community and world. Let's face it, we live in a real world. Young people are facing challenges in their school, relationships, and career choices. That's why we're focused on practical matters, such as making faith work in family, career, and community issues. If you're tired of church as usual, or you don't go to church at all, then Parklawn Assembly of God could be the perfect place for you. Come check it out this weekend. We have services each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Parklawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. Recently, we turned a corner in our new year. We turned a corner into a new decade. 2019 is gone. It's passed. Uh, there's nothing you can do about it. Don't, don't need to cry over it. It's not going to change anything. But the Lord gave me three words today. He said, look. He said, leap. And he said, limp. Look, leap, and limp. And what he's saying to us today is that look forward in faith. Look up in faith. And he's saying leap forward. Paul said, I forget the things that are behind and I press forward to the things which are ahead. And then there are some of us that as you're looking up and even as you're leaping forward, sometimes you just got to limp. It's like I'm coming, but I ain't coming as fast as everybody else. And that's all right. We are in this season of crossover, and for some of us, it it's, might be a challenge because you might feel somewhat comfortable right where you are. You like things right where they are. You want them to stay the same. You don't, you don't want to see your, your senior pastor, for however long you've been here, transition to a new role and a new season. You don't want to see another senior associate pastor take the role of the senior leadership. You don't want, to, you don't want, you don't want that, and I understand that. But God says something to us in this season is that our comfort is not his top priority. We cannot stay here. And so in the season of the crossover, my theme for this morning is you can't stay here. And I'm going to get like the Baptist churches. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you can't stay here. Turn to the other neighbor tell them you can't stay here. Now this message is not necessarily a call for you to change physical locations. It's not a call for some of you all to, you know, to end your marriages. It's not a call to get out of anything. But in a spiritual sense, the Lord is saying you can't stay in the place where you are, in your mentality, in your attitude, in the level of your spiritual uh, growth. You cannot stay in that place of comfort. I'm calling you up. I'm calling you higher. Now, the Lord uses various ways to cause all of us to shift to get us to move. Cattle sometimes, they need to be prodded with an electrical rod. They call it a cattle prod. And just those electric volts going through their body will cause them to move a little bit. Well, God's not exactly like that, but he does have his ways to get us to move from here to there. And one of the main ways that he moves us is that he uses leadership. Leaders take us to places that we don't want to go. 
We like it fine right here, Moses. We're making bricks without, without uh, straw and without mortar, but that's all right. Moses is like, no, God wants you all to leave here, go to the promised land. Leaders take us to places that nobody else is willing to go. Leaders like Nehemiah that received a vision and a mandate from heaven to rebuild the walls. And so what did Nehemiah do? He surveyed the land. He evaluated the situation. And that's what we all have to do if we're going to go to the next place. You've got to subscribe. You've got to put yourself in a learning environment. That's what Nehemiah did. He learned what the, what the situation was, how the walls actually looked. And then he invited others to join him on the journey. Leaders like Moses and Joshua, who had a successful transition and shift. And we've been looking at Joshua chapter 1. In verse 1, the Lord says, Scripture, after the death of Moses, who was the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, who was Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land that I am giving the Israelites. In verse 11, the word went out to pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go into the possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. God does not bring us to places to stay and get comfortable. But like Abraham, the Lord will often shift us. He'll move us away from our comfort zone. He'll tell us like he did Abraham, I want you to get out of your land. Leave your relatives and your father's house and go to the land that I will show you because I will make you into a great nation. You will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Whenever God moves us and shifts us, that mandate is intended to bless you with more than what you are experiencing right now. Said to Abraham, and he's saying to us, I want to make you greater so that I can show up in a greater capacity. I want to bless you. I want to empower you and position you to be a blessing to others. But you can't stay here if I'm, if I'm going to do that. God never brings us to a place to stay and get comfortable. I don't say this as, as any reflection of the last 28 years of ministry, but the place that we're in right now is too small. Again, I'm not talking about physical location. I'm talking about spiritual. We get comfortable with routine. We get comfortable with what we like. And so we develop a mindset and, and we start thinking a certain way. In 2 Kings chapter 6, the sons of the prophet, they came to Elisha, who was the successor of Elijah. And Elijah, of course, we know, crossed over into the heavens with a chariot of fire and dropped his mantle when Elisha picked it up and struck the waters. Where is the God of Elijah? And the waters of the Jordan parted. Jordan represents a place of crossover, a place of shifting, a place of moving, a place of going from glory to glory and faith to faith. So in 2 Kings chapter 6, they put it up on the screen in verse 1, the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, please notice that the place where we live under your supervision is what? It's too small for us. 
We can't stay here anymore. Can't stay here. I don't know if you've ever had to move out of the apartment where you were in because you started having babies. If you ever had to move out of the house because there was only one bathroom and there was, you know, teenagers. The place where you're in was that's what the prophet said. It's too small for us. Please let us go to Jordan where we can each get a log and can build ourselves a place to live there. I love what they said. They said we can each get a log. We all got to go over together. We all have to put in some effort. We all got to walk in faith. Let's each mix works with our faith. Let's everybody get a log and build this thing together. This, it, it's not enough just for some of us to be pregnant with, with an expectation. We all need to get pregnant and all need to go into labor. What did Elisha say? He said, go. And then one of them said, wait a minute, please, come with your servants. <laughs> Elisha said, okay, I'll come. I want to let you know as we go, God is with us. Amen. We're not leaving him on the other side of the Jordan. He's crossing over with us. In fact, he says, come on, I'm going with you. You're going to possess this land. And so he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. And as one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water and he cried out, Oh, master, it was borrowed. Then the man of God asked, Where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, the man of God cut a piece of wood. He threw it in there and made the iron float. Just imagine God just doing the miraculous because we're simply crossing over. We're simply marching out. We're, we're moving into a new space. It's a place where miracle signs and wonders will be demonstrated when we get out of our comfort zone. God is calling us to some new places, to some new things, to some new experiences. And he has his own unique ways of getting us from here to there. He uses leadership. Sometimes he'll even use uh, extraordinary things like a whale like he did with Jonah. Jonah, I want you to go over there. Jonah said, I ain't going over there. I'm staying here. God said, all right, well, let me just prepare this big whale, this big fish to get you to there. Now, you don't want to have a Jonah experience. How many just say, Lord, I'm going to cross over? <laughs> he used a storm-wrecked ship that broke up on pieces to get Paul from Jerusalem to Rome. You know what he did to get me to the place of ministry? He used a near dropout college experience. He used near, several near overdoses. He used several failed dating hookup relationships to get me sick and tired of being sick and tired to say, okay, God, if you just get me out of this, I'll serve you. We can't stay here. In Luke chapter 5, and this is where we're going to spend the latter part of our time this morning, God used Peter's boat. He borrowed it to get Peter from here to there. In Luke chapter 5, I'm going to read from the New King James Version for this, this text, verses 1 through 11. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Genesaret. And he saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little bit from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitude from the boat. 
And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and have caught nothing, and nevertheless at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done so, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Listen, when we cross over, we need to just recognize this one truth. Everything changes when Jesus is on board. Everything changes when Jesus is on board. Come on, Lord, just borrow my boat, God. Come into my life, God. Come into my marriage, God. Come into my business. Come, in, come on my job. Come into my school because everything changes when I've got you on board. Your ship is not going to sink because Jesus is on board. Remember the disciples going across the sea? Jesus asleep at the head of the ship. Storm is, is, is tossing, almost sinking the boat. They're doing everything they can to keep the water out of the boat. Finally, they said, we better wake Jesus up. They wake him up and say, Lord, don't you care that we perish? He said, didn't I tell you we're going to the other side? This boat can't sink. I'm on here. We're going to make it to the other side. Why? Because Jesus is on board. Hallelujah. If we just obey him, we're going to see the miraculous. Because everything changes when Jesus is on board. He said to Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets, plural, for a catch. Simon said, Master, we have toiled all night and we have caught nothing. But nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. One net. See, God's got bigger plans than you and I have. God's got better plans than you and I have. God's got greater plans for us than we could ever accomplish or think about on our own. He said, fellas, you're going to need the nets. We said, you know what? probably just will need a, a net. No, his plans are so much bigger. We let down the net. They caught so many fish that the net was breaking. If he probably had let down the nets, it might not have started breaking. <laughs> the boat might not have started sinking. And when Simon saw all the fish, the signal for his partners to come and help them, he saw it. He fell down at Jesus' knees in verse 8. And he said, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. <laughs> I'm telling you all, you're going to see something that you have never seen before in the next season. You're going to see it because Jesus is on board. The Bible says, eye is not seen and ear is not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. You're going to see it. You wouldn't even believe it until you saw it. Some miraculous things are going to take place. And you know when miracles happen, they happen by grace. Miracles, salvation, it happens by grace. Nobody, nobody got saved because you're a great preacher. They got saved because of grace. 
Nobody got healed because the anointing is so strong in your life. They got healed because of grace. The gifts didn't manifest and flow because you are supernatural. They flowed because of grace. And when the miracle of the miraculous catch occurred, Peter recognized that it was an act of grace. And when grace shows up, that's when people repent and want to get right with God. Say, depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all who were with him, they were astonished at the catch of fish in verse 9, which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. You see, Jesus, is, his, his purpose was not just to preach to the crowd, but was to get Peter, James, and John, and Andrew from here to there. Was to shift them from just an ordinary life as fishermen into an extraordinary life in the ministry. Now let me just stop and put a pause right there. Being a fisherman is a ministry as well. It's, being in a pulpit is not necessarily a greater ministry. I want to just let you know that when you leave here today, you're preparing for your ministry tonight and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Your ministry is on your job. Your ministry is in your home. Your ministry is in your school. Your ministry is in your neighborhood and community. But he was preparing these four men to be his disciples and learn and follow him. And the Lord said to Peter, and don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and they followed him. God's plans are so much bigger than ours, so much better than ours, so much greater than our own. Eye is not seen, ear is not heard. I'm telling you, get ready, get ready, get ready. Prepare, run through the camp, start telling everybody, we're getting ready to possess the land, we're getting ready to cross over. Ephesians 3 and 20 says, Now unto him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we, above all, exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let me go a deep, little bit deeper to one more step. The kingdom of God is always constantly moving forward. The kingdom of God never stands still. It's never stagnant. It's always constantly moving forward. It's always advancing. It's always shifting. It, it's never in a state of comfort. It's in a state of peace, but not comfort. And God has structured us as citizens of the kingdom to operate the same way. To move, to grow, to develop, to progress, to cross over. Later this week, I hope that I'll be able to go out and see the new Star Wars movie. Anybody seen the movie yet? Nobody? A couple of them. We got a few. Don't see them, them Star Trek, them Trekkies and Star Wars. They be kind of afraid because they, they, we know we're a little bit different. You know, it's like, yeah, I saw it. Everybody else going out to see action and drama and romance. But Star Wars, you know, just a few of us. So I'm going to join you all. So don't tell me what happened at the end. But it seems like for like the last 15 years, there's this phrase in Star Wars, and may the force be with you. May the force be with you. And what they really mean is that good luck on your journey. Good luck as you go out and fight evil. 
May the force be with you. May it, may it turn out for your good. May you have favor on your side. And in the same way, you and I are standing as salt and light in the face of a world that is dark and evil and possessed by the devil. And, I, and God is saying, force is with you. Not the Star Wars force, but the supernatural force of the Holy Spirit. Because you're in a spiritual warfare all around us. When our kids go out the door and go to school, they're in, a, they're in a spiritual environment. May the force be with you in the school. The Holy Spirit standing strong on the inside of you as you push back the forces of darkness that are trying to literally hold you back. Let me have that, that cup. The force is on our side. The force is in our boat. And because the force is in us, we can cast out demons in his name. We can lay hands on the sick in his name. We can, we can turn lives around in his name. Let's look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist unto now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. The Lord is telling us that my kingdom never stands still. My kingdom is always pushing back against the forces of hell. The gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. The, the anointing of God is upon you. As Isaiah 61 says, the spirit of the sovereign God is upon you and he has anointed you to proclaim good news to the poor. Preach deliverance to the captives. Open up the prison doors to those who are bound. Heal the brokenhearted. Give sight to the blind. We are called to advance. We can't stay here. We got to go forward in Jesus' name. The crossover, just like that scripture, is a call to revolution. It's not a call to make peace with the devil, make peace with the world, make peace with sin, make peace. It's a call to revolution. It's a call to bring revival and awakening and a rising to Zion to the body of Christ. To wake up a sleeping lion. I'm telling you, you don't want to wake up a sleeping lion. That's the church. It's a revolutionary call where you can't have any middle ground. You can't live in compromise. You can't be lukewarm. You got to either be hot or be cold. It's a call to be violent spiritually. To take the land. To take possession of everything that God has for us. So the Lord, we need to be praying, Lord, during, especially during this time of fasting and praying, Lord, anything that's in me that's lukewarm, heat it up, God. Anything that's in me that's of compromise, take it away, Lord. Anything that's in me that is passionless and is apathetic, God, give me a passion. Give me a fire. Give me a zeal. Take away complacency. Lord, cause me to care about the things that you care about. Cause me to see things the way that you see them. I cannot be in the middle anymore. The Bible says whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Do it with all your heart. Do it with all your might. Not doing it unto people so that they pat you on the back and you're doing good when people are watching you, but doing it unto the Lord for his glory. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Not just a little bit of love, but everything that you have. This is my last point. Worship team can come back to the platform. When I just talked about complacency, 
I might have sounded a little bit hard, a little bit militant, a little bit revolutionary. The bishop going with us or without us. Well, maybe. Let me qualify that. Let me qualify that. I will carry you if you're a wounded brother or sister. But I can't carry you if you don't want to go. <laughs> That's dead weight. I can't carry you if you, your mind ain't quite made up. If you're wounded now, if you're limping, lean on me. I got you. We're crossing over together. Because <laughs> we're going forward. Listen, if you're still trying to go back like Lot's wife, go ahead. You can't stay here. I'll carry the wounded, but not the unwilling. And there are some of us who don't want to go higher. There are some of us who don't want to go deeper. There are some of us who don't want to experience the width of God's love and his revelation. There are some of us who don't want to become better. We're content right where we are. And that's good. Nobody can make you change your mind. Nobody can make you go. Nobody's trying to make you go higher in God. But to those who want to go, you really want to go, but you just say, I want to go, but I'm struggling. I want to go, but I can't keep pace with everybody else. I want to go, but, but I don't understand the scripture like I should. I want to go, but, but I don't pray like I should. I want to go, but, but sometimes my flesh gets in the way. I'm limping. I'm walking, but I'm limping. I'm running, but I'm still limping. I'm not fast as everybody else. Like the man whose son was demon-possessed, and they brought him to Jesus to be, to be healed. And they said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. This is how you can make it. This is how, this is how you can make it. This is going to be good for everybody, even not just for those who limp. But sometimes in order to go forward, you got to stop and you got to do an autopsy on your past. Y'all know what an autopsy is. It's a, it's a post-mortem examination. Post means after. Mortem means death. You got to do an examination of stuff that died. Look at your 2019. It's gone. But before you can successfully look up in faith and leap ahead, sometimes you just got to stop and you got to look at the last year and do an autopsy of it. Do an examination. Take a closer look at it. Take a deeper look. Stop and just get in the presence of the Lord and listen. Lord, now, tell me about my last year. Let me look at my relationship with you. Let me, let me look at, where did I prioritize my time? How did I spend my money? What were my thoughts like? What was my level of, of service like to the church, to the community? How much time did I really spend with my wife? How much time did I spend with my children? What did I really invest in, God? What was important to me in 2019? Sometimes you just got to do an autopsy. Do an autopsy of your year. Do an autopsy of yourself. Do an autopsy of that relationship that died. Do an autopsy of that job that you got fired from. Maybe it wasn't them. Maybe it was you. Sometimes you got to go back to the beginning. And in looking forward, we got to understand backwards. 
Did you catch that? Look forward, but understand backwards. I've been doing, I've been doing that a lot lately. I've been learning from my failures. I'm convinced that we don't really learn anything from our successes. Somebody would ask you, oh, you know, tell me about your 28 years. How, how, have, you been, how have you been able to be a success as a pastor? I, don't, I, can't, I can't really teach you nothing from that. I can tell you where I failed, what I learned. We learn the most from our trials and our tribulations. We learn the most from our bankruptcies. We learn the most from our divorces. We learn the most from the jobs that we lost. We learn the most from the businesses that failed, from the lost contracts. Those things lead us to success. They lead to a new you, a new way of thinking, a, a new attitude. Because <laughs> the next time, if you do an autopsy, you'll be better. If you don't get bitter. This is something else you got to do. You just, you just got to you got to look at the past and say, you know what? I messed up. I messed that up. I blew that. I made that mistake. I failed. I fell. I was wrong. And when you do that, admit it and say, yeah, I did it, but that's not who I am. So you're not, you're not what you did. I am who I am says I am. <laughs> not what the devil says I am. Not what my action says I am. I am who I am. The great I am says I am. So what we're talking about is not living in a place of regret. Not living in a place of remorse, but living in a place of repentance, which means that I, I admit it, I confessed it, and I turned around, I turned away from it. I turned my back on it. Every one of us, we've done some stuff, some stuff has happened to us, and you know what, you just gotta admit it. Even in, in traumatic situations, some of us in here are trained as counselors in, in trauma-informed care. One of the first principles is just admitting it. It happened to me. I did it, I lived it. But don't stop there. Don't keep living it. Don't get stuck in it. It happened to you, but I learned from it. And after I learned from it, I left it. So in other words, I didn't lose because I learned from it. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. I learned from it. I'm smarter now. I'm stronger now. I'm wiser now. I got more faith now. I got my focus on Jesus. So like Paul, I forget the things that are behind and I reach forward to the things that are ahead. I'm not going to get stuck looking backwards. I'm going to understand backwards, but I'm not going to get stuck looking backwards. I love what Proverbs 24, 16 says to those who are limping. It says, though a just man, though a righteous man falls to the ground seven times, he gets back up. You can get back up again. Later on today, the when the football game comes on, we're going to see these running backs carrying the ball. And you know what their goal is? Advancement. Forward. Moving ahead. 
can't stay here. The place where the quarterback hands you the ball, good, you got the handoff, but you can't stay there. You got to go forward. And even if it's three guys holding you down, at least when you fall, fall forward. <laughs> good, we got half a yard. Good, we got yards after catch, yards after carry. Limping as I go. In this season, the Lord is saying that we've got to run after the prodigals. We've got to run after those who are limping. Run after those who are weak. Run after those who cannot keep pace with you. Go back and get them. That's why in Galatians he says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in the sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. I'll carry you if you're wounded. In this way, we fulfill the law of Christ. Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Parkland Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.